We are back in the studio today. This is episode number 50. That means in the first five months of the year, we've cranked out 50 episodes, which is pretty wild to think about. And we're back on a regularly scheduled program. So today we're going to be talking about breakfast and weight loss, building culture as a product or an accident, some insights from one of the greatest world champions that ever lived, our new client portal, which is live, which is awesome, and trying to find the narrative of who I want to be in the world. Let's get into it. All right, for our nutrition insight for the day, we are going to be talking about breakfast. So for a long time, we've all heard that breakfast is uh, the most important meal of the day and that it's something that we should definitely be consuming because it kind of helps us get the day started. There's also been some discussion about how eating breakfast helps you lose weight, how it helps you manage blood glucose, all sorts of stuff. So I kind of wanted to just chat through briefly some of the things that we've learned about breakfast in terms of you know weight um, and energy intake, and then we'll talk a little bit about glucose control too at the end. So there's this is kind of a complicated topic, and it's complicated in that the effect that breakfast has on your body weight really stems from, or it really kind of boils down to, is a better way to put it, is how does it fit into the overall context of your day, and how does it contribute to overall energy intake? So at this point, there's been a ton of randomized controlled trials where people either skip breakfast or consume breakfast, and then track them over time to see if they lose weight on either approach, right? So we have some good data. And recently, there was a meta-analysis published on this. And when I say recently, I think it was 2019. So it was maybe only like a year and a half, two years ago. And what they found in this study was that it didn't really matter whether you consume breakfast or not for weight loss. I think there was like maybe a half a pound to a pound difference um, between the groups of people who ate breakfast and those who didn't. But there was just so much variance that it didn't really matter. Now, one of the interesting things is that in this meta-analysis, they found that people who consumed breakfast had a higher daily calorie intake of about 260 calories a day than people who skip breakfast. That's really not the most mind-blowing fact ever, right? Basically, if you skip a meal, you're more likely to consume less calories in a day um, than otherwise, right? That's kind of one of the reasons why when people ask us about intermittent fasting, we kind of just say like, hey, it's kind of a tool to consume less calories because if you eat fewer meals, you have fewer opportunities to consume calories. And that's really what we've found from all the breakfast literature. But the interesting thing is, when you take that into account and you look at that, it doesn't really translate to a lot more weight loss, right? So what it really comes down to is, how do you respond to eating breakfast or not eating breakfast? If you don't eat breakfast, do you kind of overcompensate calories at the end of the day? Or are you one of those people who you know, doesn't eat breakfast and can manage your calorie intake throughout the rest of the day? So that's the first piece. The second piece is, you know, what do we know about breakfast and blood glucose management, right? There's been a lot of studies um, that have been done on this. Some of them have been in people uh, with type 2 diabetes. Some of them have been with type 1. Some of them have been in regular people. And what we actually find is kind of this weird opposite relationship where people who skip breakfast... Uh, may actually have an increased risk of developing glucose control issues. So, for example, this was a paper published uh, in the Journal of Nutrition in 2019. 
In this paper, uh, it was actually called Breakfast Skipping is Associated with Increased Risk of Type 2 Diabetes Among Adults, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Prospective Cohort Studies. Um, so basically, this was also a meta-analysis. It had it was of kind of observational studies where they basically just tracked behavior over time. And there was about six different papers included, 96,000-ish participants. So it's a pretty decent sample size. Um, and basically what they found was that if you skipped breakfast, you actually had a slightly higher risk of having um, type 2 diabetes than if you didn't. Not necessarily that it caused you to, but you had a higher risk. And the interesting thing was they found that that was partially mediated by like differences in body weight and then that part of it wasn't so that breakfast it may affect your body weight but it may independent of that actually increase your risk of uh, developing type 2 diabetes now the thing is we don't really have any good ideas on why that might be true Um, there's been some proposed mechanisms of like the types of food you eat at breakfast um, how your body responds hormonally after waking up. But we don't really have any great solid evidence that says like, hey, this is actually um, exactly what's going on. Some of the proposed mechanisms in this paper were that longer periods of fasting may increase inflammation. I don't really know if I believe that. Um, longer periods of fasting every day may alter your glucose regulation, which may increase your risk for diabetes. I don't know if I really believe that because I don't think any of that's true. I think generally what tends to happen in a lot of these big studies is we assume that one behavior is isolated and actually causes all the other things. But in reality, I think for a lot of people, if we kind of were to bin behaviors based on people who skip breakfast, not intentionally for like hey, I'm going to skip breakfast because I'm intermittent fasting because I'm health conscious. But people who just like most days don't eat breakfast or just skip breakfast, I would be interested to watch their dietary patterns throughout the rest of the day over their lifetime compared to people who do eat breakfast. I would say it's probably more of a combination of behaviors around those people who skip breakfast that increase their risk for type 2 diabetes than the act of actually skipping breakfast itself. And there is some precedence for that in the literature. For example, one of the things, um, and I've used this example a lot, but there was a study published a couple of years ago, and I did put a big write-up on it on my Facebook wall. I'll see if I can find it and post it in our Facebook group. But they did a study where they looked at people who consumed um, diet soda and looked at their risk for, um, I think it was like heart disease or, or uh, diabetes. It was, it was some risk of either weight gain or like cardiometabolic diseases. And the paper basically stated that um, those who consume the highest amount of like diet soda have the greatest have a much greater risk than people who don't consume any diet soda. But what was interesting when you looked at the baseline demographics of that paper, and you looked at the people who consumed the most amount of diet soda compared to the people who consumed zero diet soda, the people who consumed the most diet soda had much higher BMI as a baseline. They were much more likely to already have type 2 diabetes. They were much more likely to smoke. They had elevated blood pressure. Um, They had, like, basically all the unhealthy um, risk factors or kind of metabolic risk factors associated with some of these outcomes were already present at baseline. 
So it's more likely that these unhealthy behavior patterns cluster than a single behavior actually drives any of those results. So what do we know about breakfast? It's kind of one of those things where if you, if you like breakfast, consume it. If you want to skip breakfast, you don't have to. It's not like it's going to make any major difference in terms of your overall health and wellness journey. If you're an athlete who has to train first thing in the morning, probably recommend eating breakfast. Um, but other than that, it's kind of your preference. And just make sure that you establish healthy behaviors and patterns um, and habits on all the other aspects of your life and don't get too concerned with just whether you're consuming breakfast or not. All right, let's jump into business insights. Uh, so this one is really related to macros inc specifically and uh, just something that I've kind of observed and, and noticed over the last couple months. And after kind of doing some reflection, just kind of wanted to chat through it. And hopefully some of our employees listen to this podcast and um, they'll get a little bit out of this. So we we send surveys out to all of our employees um, every quarter. And really it's like, you know, a lot of places send surveys just to send surveys. We really take those into account um, and we really take a look at those and try to improve as much as we can based on those surveys. They're all anonymous. So we actually get pretty good feedback. And one of the things that we got in our last survey, um, the last two surveys actually, was that one of the best parts about working for Macros Inc. is is the culture that we have here, um, the workplace culture. And if I kind of had to sum it up in a nutshell is working here is, man, the words I would use to describe it are, it's a very fun place to work. Um, You have a lot of camaraderie with your employees. There's a lot of autonomy. There's also a lot of responsibility. Um, And there is a very high level of respect amongst colleagues. Um, I think we, as as everybody in the organization, does a really good job of respecting one another, um, their craft, their professionalism, their insights. And also just like there's a very kind of open, honest communication culture. Now, what's interesting about that is we're not exactly sure how that was built, right? Um, I think a lot of places will be like, oh yeah, I built this culture intentionally. And I think some places can do that. But I also think it's a product of who you hire and then what you kind of allow and cultivate. Um, And so... One of the things that I've been thinking about lately is like, how did we get to build this amazing culture that we have built? And I think really what it comes down to is we've hired really, really good people, Um, not just like good employees, but like good people. We've given them a lot of freedom to operate um, kind of how they want with obviously guidance and oversight and things like that that are important. Um, And then what we've really done is we've kind of let the culture be what it kind of grow into what it's going to grow into. And then we defend that very fiercely, right? We don't really dictate what it has to be. Uh, But once we've kind of found what it is and what allows us to thrive is we'll do anything we can to protect it, right? Whether that's dealing with things internally, externally, how we communicate, um, the programs we build for employee development, all of those sorts of things. And so one of the things that I think is important is Understanding is, is your 
culture of your business? Is it a byproduct or an accident versus is it something you intentionally from like day one wrote down your mission statement and kind of forced into the company? I don't think there's either, either way is right or wrong. Um, but I think for us, you know, it's exactly the culture that it became was a byproduct, right? Of we grew from very small to, you know, 75, 80 people now. Um, we brought in people who we thought were great people and we kind of built this culture as a byproduct of who we are and what we do. And now it's our job to really defend that culture intensely as we grow. Um, and that is one of the big focuses we have versus, you know, are you a company who's kind of a startup? You get in, you know, 20, $30 million and you start hiring people like crazy from jump and nobody knows each other and there's nothing organic about it. Um, that's probably where you have to be much more intentional from the jump of like, this is your playbook for building culture. So just an interesting insight. Yeah. All right. What am I learning today? Um, so we are kind of in the early stages of the Formula One season this year. And over the last few years, I've gotten really into watching that sport, <clears throat> following that sport, and kind of learning about the personalities. And one of the one of the most interesting people there um, is the kind of the current world champion. His name's Lewis Hamilton. He's won seven Formula One titles, and um, if you kind of take that plus all the races he's won and all the pole positions and qualifying he's won, he's the most successful Formula One driver ever. Um, but what's been really interesting is over the last few years, I've really just kind of keyed in on him as a person um, outside of all the racing stuff. And tried to figure out, like, if you just ever watch him in an interview um, or you kind of read articles, is he's just one of those people that I kind of gravitate to, like, just his his demeanor, his personality, um, his graciousness, how he treats people, and then just all the things he does outside of, of Formula One um, and all the just amazing things that he's been able to accomplish in his life. You know, he came from you know, really a, a pretty low income family. Um, and you know, going into formula one, which is a sport that requires hundreds of millions of dollars to compete in. And he just kind of found a way to get to where he wanted to be regardless of his circumstances. And I was listening to an interview with him this last week. And the, one of the, look, the topics of conversation was like, Hey Lewis, you know, you are, you're a world champion in one of the most demanding sports ever. You know, you have to be so mentally dialed in all the time. Like every race, every weekend, you're at, at peak form and you're only getting better as you get older. You know, what's, what works for you and how have you figured out how to do this? And how have you managed to be so successful when you're balancing like, hey, you know, you're a big activist for green energy and you have a clothing line and you do modeling and you do all these other things outside of um, racing. Like, how do you... How do you do this? And his answer to me was was very interesting, um, and I think it's I think it's very applicable to what we do here at Macros Inc. And you know, the long story short was he basically said, you know, my schedule is super crazy. Like if I have a race and I have to be there for testing Thursday, Friday, um, you know, qualifying Saturday, race Sunday, and then you know I have to fly out Monday for. Uh, meeting with the new clothing that I'm launching. And then Tuesday, I have a full interview. And then Wednesday, I have to fly to the next place. And it's like, 
he's just always on the go. And somebody, you know, somebody asked him like, Hey, how are you rested for, um, you know, your races? And he said, well, there's kind of two pieces to rest. You know, one is the physical rest. You know, could I, you know, stay at home and make sure my training's perfect. And then I'm getting every hour of sleep and then I'm optimizing like every single aspect. So I'm physically as prepared for the races I can be, you know, absolutely. But what I've found over my life is if I can go into a race weekend where the days between the races, I've been able to just be on the go doing all the things that I love, living a super full life and being able to be mentally engaged in other aspects that I just find extremely fulfilling and rewarding. And I basically fill my emotional and mental cup, um, you know, leading into the race. I may go into that race weekend you know, maybe at 75, 80, 85% physical capacity because I haven't gotten as much sleep as maybe I should. But like my mental and emotional cup is at 110%. Like I'm mentally ready to go. And that's what really allows me to continue. And so I think that applies a lot to kind of what we do here at Macros Inc. and when we work with people is the physical aspect of, you know, dieting, of weight loss, of all those things is difficult, Right pretty much anybody can kind of just make it through. The thing that's hard and what sets people apart is, is the mental aspect. And what else are you doing in your life to fill your cup, right? Are you engaging in hobbies that you love? Are you spending time with people you enjoy? Are you enjoying a good meal with friends? Are you, um, you know, taking the trips that you want to take? Or are you, you know, shying away from them because you're not sure how you're going to handle food when you travel? You know, how much of a life of abundance are you living and how full is your cup? And so I think my learning lesson that I'm taking today and something that I think I should learn from, and I think this is a lesson I can probably learn from my wife too, because she's actually much better about this than I am, is it's not about how much you rest necessarily, but how full your cup is. So that's what I'm learning today. All right, jumping straight into the daily win. Our new client portal user experience, user interface, whatever the techies call it, is live and it feels so much better to have it done. It looks way better. It's much more on brand. It's more intuitive. It's pretty to look at. It's awesome. I love it. I'm sure we're going to have more updates and it's not perfect, but it is so much better um, and I'm very excited about it. So if you are a client, let us know what you think. If you're not a client, you should sign up just so you can see the new portal. It's pretty awesome. A lot of development, development went into it a lot of back and forth went into it. And the best part is literally zero of my horrible design skills went into it. So you know, it's good. So that's the daily win. Um, daily learning lesson. So this is a little bit dovetails with, with above. Um, but really it's kind of trying to find the narrative of who I want to be in the world. One of the things I say that a lot, don't I? One of the things, um, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the the person who I am and who I'm perceived in the world is really a byproduct of what I do. But I have not spent time intentionally thinking about who is the person I'm trying to cultivate myself to be and what is the narrative I'm trying to put into the world. Now, that doesn't mean like, hey, I want everybody to think X of me and I'm going to do like every little thing I can to make sure that like I have this coherent narrative. But what it means is like, am I being intentional about the type of person I want to be? And I don't think I have been. I think I've just been kind of living and 
basically doing me in the world's kind of just picking up that narrative. But am I being intentional? Um, and so I'm kind of currently just thinking about like trying to find the narrative of who I want to be in the world. Like what are, what are the adjectives I want people to describe me as, right? Not necessarily like, oh, he is, he's Brad. He did X, Y, and Z. Is It's more of who is he as a person, right? Is he patient? Is he kind? Is he, um, does he have high integrity? Does he hold people accountable? Is he dependable? Um, those are the kind of things that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about and trying to find that narrative. Um, and maybe find isn't the right word, but trying to build the narrative, um, and just being much more intentional with that aspect of my life. So that's it. That's episode number 50. Double the number of episodes we have now will be at a hundred. We'll probably have some big party with episode a hundred. I'll probably like bring champagne into my office and pop it and drink it by myself while I'm recording. Cause I'm the only person in the studio, which I wish you guys could see my studio slash office. Cause my wife redid the whole thing for me. It's pretty sweet. So that's it. I'm Dr. Brad. This is episode number 50. If you like this show, share it with your friends. If you bring them to be clients with macros, Inc., let us know that you referred them via the podcast and we can do something cool for you. So I will see you guys tomorrow because it's Thursday. So we got another episode to crank out. That's it. I'm Dr. Brad. I'm out of here.